Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You are listening to the Qalam podcast Hurdle series, a study of Imam Ghazali's Minhajul Abidin by Sheikh Mikail Ahmed Smith. Jazakallah khair for your continued support, and we pray that this is beneficial. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Bismillah. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbuk wa hubba amalin yuqarribuna ila hubbik ya arhamar rahimin. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this a gathering by which we increase our knowledge and understanding of this deen. We ask Allah to make this a gathering by which we get closer to our Habib Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Um, Alhamdulillah, we've reached, I think this is class 22, right? I think this is class 22 or 23, uh, 22, 22 of uh, hurdles. Um, and we only have one more class, inshallah. So next week will be our finale class of this particular book. Wednesday nights keeps going. Wednesday nights don't stop, but we got to, you know, the hurdles will be done, inshallah ta'ala. So um, next week, inshallah, we'll do the finale of hurdles, inshallah ta'ala. Um, for those who don't know, Imam Ghazali has been teaching us in this book how to stay on this path of worship. And Imam Ghazali is teaching us that the most precious thing you can have and be blessed with is that you become a true abid of Allah. You become a true servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in order to be a servant, there are things that come in the way. They block us. They get in the way. And, you know, 21 weeks ago, we started with a hadith where the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, he said that, that the hellfire is surrounded with ease, with easy things. Uh, and Jannah is surrounded by difficult things. And so the idea of getting to Jannah is that there's things that it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be hard because what we're seeking, what we're going after is something great. And so he said there were seven different hurdles that we had to surmount, we had to pass in order to gain Jannah, to get back home, to stay on this path of worship. And now we come to this last hurdle. And I know last week we had uh, Sheikh come through and drop it, alhamdulillah. Um, and I'm going to continue with this last hurdle, um, which is the hurdle of gratitude and praise. The hurdle of gratitude and praise. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about something. We talked about this idea that now you have been blessed with ibadah. You're doing more dhikr. You're praying your salah. You're doing whatever is your jihad, your struggle. You've, you've got that. And the moment you get that, the next thing that happens is shaitan will make you feel like you did something amazing. Like, wow, you, you made it. You made it. And I don't care what level of righteousness you're at. Shaitan will always come and try to make you feel like, wow, you did amazing. You did amazing. And while that may seem good and it's okay to have some feeling of accomplishment spiritually, the problem is when we start to attribute that, that spiritual success solely to our own grinding and our own pursuit and our own struggles. And, and, and the more you grind and the more you obstacles you have to surmount, the harder it is to overcome the nafs that's going to say, yo, you did amazing. And I'm reminded of a moment of Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal. Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal was on his deathbed. And I've shared this narration with you before, but it's profound. Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal was on his deathbed. 
and his, his sons are around him. And they're all saying, Baba, you made it. Baba, you made it. Say, La ilaha illallah. And all he keeps saying is, La ba'du, la ba'du. No, 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 not yet. No, not yet. No, not yet. And all of his sons, when he comes back to consciousness, they're like, Baba, like, we were telling you to say, La ilaha illallah. But, you know, you, um, can you come here for a minute? We'll tell in the AV room. I'm hearing my echo from the other room. They're like, they're like, Baba, you made it. Baba, you made it. You did amazing. And, uh, and, and he came back to consciousness. They're like, Dad, we were saying to you to say, La ilaha illallah. Say there's no God but Allah is your own last words. But you, could, you just kept saying, no, Badu. And he said, no, I didn't even hear you. In this moment right now that I was in, as I was seeming like I was about to leave the world, Shaytan, the devil was telling me, wow, you made it. And I just kept saying, like, no, I didn't. No, not yet. No. Because he didn't want, even in the last moment, to feel like he did something special. And so two weeks ago, we talked about this concept of ujab, this concept of feeling like, wow, I did something amazing. And we talked about how to conquer that. And that brings us to this last hurdle, this last amazing hurdle. And it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's the hurdle of hamd, which is praise of God, and shukr, gratitude. And we're going to talk about the difference of those, between those. But I want you to understand how precious this hurdle is. After you've, you've, you've prayed your tahajjud, after you've built your connection with the Quran, he's saying at the end, the last thing that you're going to have to make sure you do is you hold on to this concept of, of shukr in our deen, which is inner gratitude and hamd, which is the articulation of it. So listen to what he says. And there's a, there's a few concepts we're going to really focus on tonight. He says, Imam Ghazali, Alayka Allah. He says, next thing that you have to do, may Allah give you, he says, Wafakaka. He says, may Allah give you tawfiq. May Allah give you tawfiq. Listen, I want to talk about this word. Throughout this book, whenever he explains something difficult for us to do, at the end of that chapter, he says, Wallahu muwaffiq. Allah is the one who gives tawfiq. I want to explain a word to y'all. A word that we're going to focus on tonight is this concept in Arabic called tawfiq. Tawfiq. And I want to explain what tawfiq is. Between me and you, between us and every righteous deed that we want to do, I don't care what it is, qiyamul layl, charity, fasting, righteousness to your parents, you name the good deed, whatever your jihad is. Between you and that deed, that righteous deed, there are innumerable obstacles that come in the way. You feel me, Maz? There are innumerable. Between you and that righteous deed, between you and that Quran, between you and that dhikr of Allah that you want to do more of, there are innumerable obstacles that could stop you from that. What is tawfiq? Tawfiq is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitates all of the ease and opens every door for you to be able to do the righteousness that you want to do and, and, hold up, and for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to close the door to every sin that you're trying to avoid. So what we learn through this word tawfiq is that tawfiq, without tawfiq we do nothing. 
And, 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 and what I want us to understand about this word tawfiq is that there's an external tawfiq and an inner tawfiq. Let me give an example. To go to Fajr tomorrow morning, right? To go to, to, go to Fajr tomorrow morning and pray in Jama'at at the masjid. SubhanAllah, like, yo, when's the last time I prayed Fajr in Jama'at? Like, to go, there's some external things. Your alarm clock went off. You went to the right sleep at nighttime. You know, you, you, you know the, the car is in good, good condition when you get to the car. You know, and, and when it's winter time, you come to the car, it's like frosty. You're like, oh, I'm missing Jamal now. You know what I mean? Like, there's things that can literally get in your way. Literally not be able to go. You ever been in a rush? You just can't find the keys. Like, gone. First rakat gone. You're still looking for your keys. Tawfiq is for Allah. There's an external tawfiq where every door opens up. And then there's something deeper, though. There's something deeper. There's an inner reality of tawfiq. There's an inner reality of tawfiq, which is the scariest thing is to not even want to do the righteousness. Yo, y'all feel what I'm trying? Like, the scariest thing is to not even have the inner openings to desire that righteous thing. And that's why the inner tawfiq is the real thing you should be begging for. Because I don't care if you could, man, subhanAllah, Ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah was in prison. He was in prison towards the end of his life. On the day of Jummah, inside the sijin, he used to take a ghusl, wash himself. He would fix his clothes, the clothes he had on. He was a prisoner. And he would walk to the door jail cell, like 30, 10 steps, five steps. And he would say, Ya Allah, I did my part. No, you don't get it. He can't control the door opening. He can't control the fact that he's in jail. But he would take a ghusl, he would get ready, he would fix his clothes, whatever he could do, and he would walk to the, to the door, it's closed. He knew it was closed. He knew it was closed before he got ready. But who cares? Because all that truly matters is the external opening and means are not what are in my control. What I beg for from God is that he opens my heart to actually desire the righteousness and give me tawfiq. That is the greatest blessing. That's why they say if you, if you start memorizing Quran and you die on the way, you're, you're resurrected with the hafaz. You're resurrected as a hafiz. They're like, yo, homie, how you get here? <laughs> You're like, it was tawfiq min Allah. You're like, tawfiq, but you were never at class. <laughs> you were never at class. Higher? Okay. You were never at class. It was like, yeah, because the external circumstances didn't facilitate for me to be there. But my heart was there maybe even more than some people sitting there. You know what I'm saying? So, subhanAllah, he says, he's talking about this concept of tawfiq, and there's a prophetic dua. I missed y'all. I'm the one week without y'all. I'm feeling I missed it. <laughs> SubhanAllah, man. You guys are beautiful people. Beautiful people, man. Beautiful people. There's a dua the Prophet used to make for this thing called tawfiq. You know, some, some scholars, they said, I'm going to share the dua. The Prophet, alayhi salatu wasalam, he used to say, Allahumma wafiqani. Oh, Allahumma wafiqani. <clears throat> 
Y'all gonna think this is lame. But I don't care how y'all judge me. I don't even care. So my man Naeem Beg, some of y'all know. This man could throw down an ill steak, okay? Ill steak, right? Every time he invited me for a steak, yo, next level. So I called him. I was like, yo, I'm about to throw a steak down. This is a normal dude, man. I just make steaks at home too. I right, chill out. So I was like, yo, give me the little recipe. He gave me a little marinade recipe, whatever. So I marinated for a day. So I was going to make it today. All of a sudden, some guests come over today. My little kids had a play date or something. So the, the uncle, my brother, he came over. And uh, I was like, yo, I'm throwing steaks on. And uh, I was preparing for my dars, whatever. So in my heart, I was like, Allahumma thiqani. I know it's whack. See, y'all like, this is whack, dude. <laughs> but in my heart, I want you to see that tawfiq is in everything. So I, I'm not a good cook. You know what I mean? Dudes be bragging like they're good cooks because they barbecue. Barbecue ain't hard, yo. <laughs> I'm sorry, I lost mad follows, yo. <laughs> barbecue ain't hard, you know what I mean? Maglouba is hard, you know what I mean? Baking is hard, yo. I smoked a brisket, like, bro. <laughs> All right, no, for real. So I said in my heart, I was about to make this out. I was like, Allah muafiqani. Alhamdulillah, it was on point. It was on point. Alhamdulillah. But the Traeger working, the marinade hitting right, the ambiance of the room, you name it. There are a number of factors that could have thrown that thing off. Tawfiq is from God in everything. It's, it's in everything. You know, this is one scholar, he said, you know what Tawfiq is? Tawfiq is Allah doesn't leave you to yourself. Allah doesn't leave you to you. So I want Tawfiq for Fajr tomorrow. Oh, Allah, don't leave it to me. I'm too weak. I'm asleep through three alarms. Allah, I'm too weak. Allahumma wafiqani li salat al-fajr, ya Allah. Just, just in your heart right now. Here's the deal. He says that tawfiq is Allah you, you Allah ila nafsik. Allah doesn't leave you to yourself. And I think a lot of us have been trying to do all of our spiritual pursuits on our own. It's like, la, let go. Turn to Allah and beg Allah. Here's the dua the Prophet used to make, and I want us to learn this dua. Write it down, memorize it. Allahumma wafiqani. Oh Allah, enable me, allow me, open the doors. Wafiqani. External, internal. Keys are where they need to be to get to Fajr. And I wake up wanting it. Inner, external. Allahu Akbar. Allahumma wafiqani. Lima tuhibbu wa tarda. Oh Allah, give me open for me. Give me tawfiq. Lima tuhibbu wa tarda. For what you love and what will please you. Min qawl. Let me, give me the ability to say the words that will bring your pleasure. Min qawl. Let me speak words that you love. Let me say words that you love. Min qawl wal amal. Let my actions be actions. Like, put it in my heart that I only want to do the actions that will bring your pleasure. Waniya, Allahu Akbar. And give me the ability to have 
pure and good intentions. The difference, man, the distinguishing factor of ranks in the hereafter is people making intention differently. That's it. Not what they actually accomplished, but what they aspired for and intended from God. Oh, Allah, give me the ability to make the right niyyah. Walhuda. And give me the ability, open the door for guidance for me. Innaka ala kulli shay'in qadir. I'm weak. Innaka ala kulli shay'in qadir. Fajr, put it on me. I might not make it. Put it back on Allah. Allahu Akbar. I heard one thing that says, um, so there's a word, we have the word tawfiq, but we have the opposite of tawfiq. The opposite of tawfiq is called khudlan in Arabic. Khudlan, khudlan, like khadala. And all it means is that Allah left you to yourself. Allah left you to yourself. Handle it. You do it. You take care of it. And that's scary. One scholar, he said, um, we used to call tawfiq miftah tawfiq, the key of tawfiq. Because whoever Allah Whoever Allah gave the key to, he wants them to use the key and open up the treasures of Barakah. <laughs> you know, some people, they go for Hajj. They do a righteous deed. And Shaitan tells you, yo, low key, this ain't you. You're not at this level sitting with all these pious people. How do you know Allah accepted from you? He, they say, if Allah gave you the key of tawfiq, he only gave you the key so that you could use that key and open the doors to his barakah and blessings. He didn't give you the key of tawfiq to not accept you. And a lot of us, inside of us, we have these potentials. We have these potentials that Allah has given us the key to. But you're scared to use it because you think this key don't work. And he's like, no, Allah gave you this potential so you could open up that barakah and khair that's waiting for you. And some of us, it's sins though. Some of us were like, shake, like I could do a lot of good deeds, but there's certain sins. The same key that unlocks the treasures of good deeds is the key that locked the door to sin. The same tawfiq that opens the treasures of good deeds. Right now in this room, me and you are struggling with sins. But you know what's crazy? The thing that's hard for me to avoid, this dude got that unlocked. And something that he's struggling with, I'm like, oh, man, I've been, I've been down with that. Oh, you, do you understand what I mean? Like, we all have a different jihad. This one brother's in this room, like, Fudger and Jamal, y'all been hitting that since I was 16. But we're like, oh, what about fasting? He's like, ah, oh. it's a little hard. And somebody else, they're like, oh, fasting. Oh, I love, like, no calories. I'm good. But fudger? Oh, another. What I'm trying to explain to you is it, you just need to ask Allah to open that door for you or lock that door for you. And just as easy as it was for someone else to give up that sin, it'll be easy for you as well. The same key that opens the door to righteous deeds is the same key that locks the door to certain sins. And that key is tawfiq. How do you get tawfiq though? How do you get tawfiq? 
First of all, you got to ask for it and want it, number one. Number one, you got to want it. Allah will give you it, but you just got to really want it. You got to ask for it and truly beg for it. So the number one thing that we need to have is hum, thought, desire for it. Desire, like, I, I, I want that. I want that. And that's why I'm going to digress. That's why it's good for you to always hang around righteous people. Because feathers flock together, you know, once you start hanging with somebody, you want what they want. You start hanging out with the you little Jenna crew. Little Jenna crew. Now all of a sudden you got your subhides. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. <laughs> you start chilling with that dunya crew. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. <laughs> you counting bands, not beads. <laughs> or both, I'm sorry. <laughs> he said, I want both. <laughs> May Allah give you both. I don't know who made the dua, but he just got everybody's on me. <laughs> so the first thing that we have to have is a desire for it. You, you, you got to really want to give up that sin. You got to really want, I'm going to go another level. You got to really want to want to give up the sin. Because some, yeah, you got it right away. You got to really want to want to give it up. And don't worry about the external circumstances. In this room, I, I guarantee people can tell us how Allah just flipped the script on them and th things changed for them. There's enough people that will say, I made a dua and I don't know what happened. But the next thing I knew, this was the only opportunity I had and it was a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the very first thing you need for, for tawfiq is ham, a worry about something. And I want to share a story from the seerah with y'all. Different sahaba, companions of the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, are known for different things. Right? You know Umar, you say, Umar, we all get an image. You get Abu Bakr, we all get an image, Uthman. There's a sahabi, his name is Abdullah bin Zayd. Radiallahu an. Abdullah bin Zayd. Abdullah bin Zayd, radiallahu an. He's known in the entire life of the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, for one thing. Let me tell you the story. It was the first year that we got to Medina. First year. Things are still being established. The deen is still growing. Different aspects of the deen are still being put together. When it was time for prayer, there was no like, oh, it's 2 o'clock, let's pray. They would just gather. It looks like everybody's here. All right, Amen's here. Akram's here. Ma's here. Cool. All right, let's pray. They would just look around, see if everyone's there. For the Rasul one day he comes out and he's very disturbed, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He's very worried. And he's like, you know, we need to figure out how to call everyone for prayer. We need to figure out how are we going to get everyone together. And so one guy's like, oh, let's get a bell. You know, the Prophet's like, no, nah, that's the Christians do that, we don't do that. They're like, oh, let's get a horn, we could blow. He's like, no, nah, the Jews do that, we don't want to do that. They give different ideas. Like, we need something for us, something different. So no one had an idea, and the gathering split. The Prophet's like, all right, salam alaikum, everyone. Everyone dipped. Abdullah bin Zayd says, I saw how worried he was, and in my heart, nothing more was bothering me. Like, it just overtook my heart. Like, this problem. 
Listen, when I read this, I realized something. Sometimes all you have is concern. Yeah. Sometimes all you have is worries. All you have is concern. Abdullah bin Zayd didn't have an idea. But he goes home and he's like, but I was just worried, man. I was like, how can we figure this out? He goes to sleep. He has a dream. In the dream, he sees this guy walking around Medina with a bell. And he's like, yeah, Abdullah, let me buy that from you. And the guy in the dream is like, what are you going to do with it? He's like, I'm going to gather people for prayer. The person in the dream is like, let me teach you something better. And in the dream, the person goes, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. He gives the adhan. And then after he gives the whole adhan, he backs up two steps and calls the iqamah. Abdullah bin Zayd wakes up. It's Fajr time. Wakes up. Runs to the masjid. <laughs> runs to the masjid. The Prophet sends at the masjid. He's like, Ya Rasulullah, I saw a dream. He tells him the whole story. He tells him the whole story. The Prophet him, he goes, Innahu la ru'ya haq. He goes, ah, it's a true dream. Then he goes, teach it to Bilal, because Bilal's voice was louder. So he's like, say it in his ear so he can say it and, and, and say it out loud. The moment Bilal starts to say it, Umar radiallahu anh runs out of his house, dragging his stove. Like, he didn't even get dressed. And he's like, wallahi, I saw the same dream. And the prophet's like, well, he beat you. <laughs> what, I, what I want us to understand, though, is all he had was concern. Until today, the reward for every adhan goes to Abdullah bin Zayd. But all he had, he was given tawfiq because all he had was a deep concern in his heart for something. And I say that because we feel now like our hands are tied. But Allah sees that worry. Sees that concern. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you based on your hum, your worries. So the first thing we need to be given tawfiq is hum, a worry about it, true worry. If you're struggling with salah, if you're struggling with whatever, we all have different jihads. Just because externally you look tight, internally you know you messed up. And vice versa. We're all struggling. The first thing that we need, though, deep inside, and, and right now, you don't have to do any formal anything. Right now in your heart, you just say, Allah, Ya Allah, give me tawfiq. Ya Allah, open that door for me, please. Number one thing you need for tawfiq is hum. Number two, ikhlas. Truly want it. I truly want it, Ya Allah. I want it. I want to want it, Ya Allah. Number three, Ragba, similar, it's like covet, I desire it. It's similar to hum, hum is a worry, ragba is like a desire for it. And last but not least, number four, rahba, it's fear. Oh, ya Allah. Abdullah bin Zayd was afraid what would happen if we didn't get a solution to this problem. And Allah gave him tawfiq to be the one to be given and blessed with that solution. Sometimes all we have is hum. Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, Allah. May Allah give you tawfiq to be grateful to Allah. Shukr, gratitude. May Allah give you that. 
He says there's two reasons why you need gratitude. Shukr. He says, number one, لِدَوَامِ النِّعْمَةِ To keep the ni'mas coming. A lot of us, all of us are blessed. But sometimes shaitan comes to us and we worry about the blessing going away. Imam Ghazali says that the Quran tells us that the way to qayyid, the way to capture the blessings, is through gratitude. Listen to what he says. فَلِأَنَّ الشُّكْرِ it's the trap of blessings. Shukr is the trap. It's like if you're hunting something, qaid is like how you trap something in. So gratitude is how you trap your blessings in, whatever they are. Bihi tadumu. Through gratitude is how you keep them perpetuating and going forward. But once you give up gratitude, tazulu, it's gone. It's gone. You lose it. How many, how many marriages were beautiful until we became ungrateful for the blessing of that beautiful spouse we had? How many children were great children until we lost gratitude for this beautiful son of mine that listens to me and prays a lot? C's get degrees, yo. <laughs> Somebody needed to hear that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Allah will never change your state till you change. You will stay blessed as long as you keep seeing it as a blessing. That's what the verse means. You will stay blessed. Because right now, you know what's scary? Some of us are becoming better Muslims. But then you're like, yo, what if I slip up? Nah, don't worry about that. Allah doesn't stop blessing you until you stop seeing what he gives as blessings. I'm going to say that again because that's clutch. Allah does not stop blessing you until you stop valuing what he's giving you as a blessing. That's not from me. That's literally what Ghazali teaches us. A lot of people treat that verse as like from the bad side. But it's, also, it's actually about keeping the blessings. Allah will not change your state away from blessings until you change what's inside of you. So just stay grateful. Then he says, وَقَالَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَكَفَرَتْ بِأَنْعُمِ اللَّهِ فَأَذَاقَهُ اللَّهُ uh, they denied the blessings of God, so Allah caused them to taste difficulty, hunger, and fear because of what they did. And then he says, there's a narration in which the Prophet wasallam he says, blessings are like wild beasts. The only way to capture them is with gratitude. Imam Ghazali says, in this world we have two types of blessings, y'all. We have blessings of this dunya. All types of blessings of health and wealth and sustenance and goodness. Things of this world. And then we have blessings of, the, of our deen. He talks about the blessings of this world. I think we, we, we recognize. And last week, Sheikh Abdul Nasser talked about 
counting your blessings, thinking about them. I was talking to a friend this morning, and he said, you know, since two weeks ago, he's been going to sleep just thinking about blessings, and it's changed his perspective completely, completely. But then he says, And that's what I really want to focus on, y'all. He says, as for the blessing of your religion, the blessing that you are a Muslim, he says there's two types of blessings. Ni'matul tawfiq, alhamdulillah, wa ni'matul isma. The blessing of tawfiq, where he opens doors for you to do righteousness. He opens those doors so you could do good. And the blessing of isma, he protects you from certain things that would harm you spiritually. He says, as for the blessing of tawfiq, which we spent good time talking about, he says, and wafaqa awwalan lil Islam. First thing is that he blessed you with Islam. You're a Muslim. Thumma lil sunnah. Number two is he gave you the sunnah of the Prophet. You love the Habib. You love the sunnah. And then he gave you the blessing of obedience. And then the blessing of isma is the second one. The blessing of protecting you from things that are harmful to your faith. He says he protected you from kufr, disbelief. He protected you from worshiping idols other than God. He protected you from sins. He says, um, now there's these two words, hamd, hamd, like alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, surah fatiha, hamd, and shukr. He says, is there a difference between these two? And this is pretty deep. He goes, hamd, praise, is the external efforts of gratitude, thankful. It's, it's being thankful. All praise to Allah, alhamdulillah. It's the, it's the thank you side. It's the verbal articulation of gratitude. It's not gratitude per se. It's the verbal articulation of gratitude. And he says, this is an external. Hamd is an external thing. He goes, wa shukr. Min ashkal is sabr wa tafweed. He goes, but shukr. Shukr is at a different level. Shukr is a gratitude. The word is gratitude is an internal reality like patience and, and reliance on God. And he says, so gratitude is something that you work for within yourself. And then he goes forward, he says, and now you can see why there's a lot of thankful people, but very few grateful people. A lot of people say thank you. But the gratitude is where a lot of us fall short. And Allah says in the Quran, Surah Saba'ah, وَقَلِيلٌ مِّنْ عِبَادِيَ الشَّكُورِ Allah says in the Quran, as a challenge to me and you, وَقَلِيلٌ قَلِيلٌ Like, what will make you of the rare few? What will make you of the elite, elect servants of God? Gratitude, that's it. Deep gratitude. Because Allah says, وَقَلِيلٌ مِّنْ عِبَادِي الشَّكُورِ Very, very, very few of my servants are truly grateful. Now, what is gratitude? In this halakha, brothers and sisters, we want to go to the deeper levels of our religious practice. We don't want just words without meanings. We want the reality of those words. Imam Ghazali says, Ibn Abbas, he says, who is Ibn Abbas, though? Sometimes we gloss past these words and we be like, yo, Zayd bin done, whatever. You're like, oh, okay. 
Ibn Abbas. You're like, all right, yeah, cool. La, hold up. Ibn Abbas, he's called the Hibr of the Ummah, meaning the scholar of the Ummah. He was a young man when uh, the Prophet passed away, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ibn Abbas, just give me three minutes. Ibn Abbas, he went to one of his friends and he said to him, he said, Akhi, he's young, 16, young. He goes, right now there's a lot of Sahaba alive. Why don't we go and learn hadith from all the Sahaba? His friend was like, bruh, do you think they're going to need you? Do you think they're going to need us? Abu Huraira, this person, that person, radiallahu anh. So he, his friend was like, nah, I'm good, bro. I got work. Ibn Abbas went on his mission studying. He just went. He would sit at the doors of scholars. He would sit at the doors of scholars, sahaba. They would come out the door and see him sitting at the steps in the heat. And they would say, you're related to the prophet. Why didn't you knock at my door? And he would say, la, knowledge should come. We should come to knowledge. Years later, one day he was sitting in a halaqa. And this is halaqa of sahaba and tabi'een. Great people. And one, the, the brother, the friend that he said to go seek knowledge, he comes and sits down. And he says, I wish I was with you. I wish I would have kept going. You never know where Allah wants to take you. You never know what your tomorrow brings. And that's why today's topic was about tawfiq. Because you never know where Allah wants to take you. And for those who think you made it, you never know where you could drop to. Shaitan dropped to the depths of hell. And where was he before? You never know who you could become. They say that Umar radiallahu an was beloved by God and he was worshiping idols in Mecca because of who he would become. Because of who he would become. Stop looking at you now, but look at Allah and what he can make you into. That's it, y'all. Ibn Abbas, now I'm going to tell you what he said. So you know who he is. Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anh, he says, Ashukur huwa ta'a bi jami'il jawarih. He's about to get deep, y'all. He says, shukr, true gratitude, is when your whole body shows gratitude. Not lip service. Remember, we said saying alhamdulillah, that's external. That's just alhamdulillah, 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 alhamdulillah. La, shukr, he says, is, it is obedience to God with all of your limbs in secrecy and, 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 and in open. He goes forward and he says that uh, He says that shukr, when you have true gratitude within you And, and I, before I read more, I want us to say Wallahu muwafaq Wallahu muwafiq Allah gives tawfiq As I'm about to read, is something difficult to do You can't let your nafs come in Because we're not doing this on our own, y'all we ask it for the key to the treasures. We ask it for the keys, yo. But let me tell you what the treasure is so you can ask for the right key. Let me tell you what we want so we can ask for that. What is true gratitude? 
in Islam. He says, Allahu Akbar, true gratitude from the servant creates within you a type of awe for God or the one who blessed you. That yamna'u min jitha'i, it stops you from being harsh to the one that blessed you. When you're truly grateful to somebody, they walk in the room and your attitude changes. Somebody paid your college tuition, they walk in the room, you're like, yo, what you mean? <laughs> Somebody say something, and you're like, you better back up. Do you know who that is? True gratitude stops you from having any jatha, coarseness, roughness with the one who blessed you. That's true gratitude. Now you can see why true gratitude to your parents, what that should create. True gratitude for mama, man. True gratitude. They, they grind it, yo. Okay, the EQ might be lacking. <laughs> but they grind it for us, yo. Don't worry, you're going to be old one day, too. Your EQ going to be lacking, too. <laughs> Saying stuff off the cuff. <laughs> True gratitude creates within you a softness towards the one. He says... And the way you create that is you keep remembering the blessings. He says, Imam Ghazali says, let me tell you something. Before I read it, say, the lowest level of gratitude is that you don't use the blessings he gave you to disobey him. The lowest level. And that's why I said, say, Allah muwafiq. Allah gave you that new ride. Where are you driving to, Habibi? La, for real. No haya? No haya? You use Allah's blessings? You read the dua on the car, too? You put your hand on the car, read the dua. Allahumma inni as'aluka khayraha wa khayra ma fiha. And you use that same whip to drive to somewhere where you know you're going to be engaged in haram. Ala tastahi. Do you have any haya? That's why Imam Ghazali, he says, if you're going to do it, just do it without any of God's blessings. I'm trying to, I'm preaching to myself here, y'all. If you're going to do it, just do it without his blessings. Just leave his blessings at the house and then go do what you got to do. And you can't take a step out the door. Seriously, for ourselves, I hope that helps you and me. How dare I use what he gave me to disobey him? That's not gratitude. That's not gratitude. He says, the lowest level. He says, These aren't my words. These are the great scholars of our ummah. He says, He goes, How horrible is the one who takes the blessing and uses it as a weapon against God? Not my words, Imam Ghazali. Wallahu muwafiq. Allah, give us tawfiq. Ameen. 
Allah give us tawfiq. But if we don't know what's inside the treasures, we don't even know what to ask for. He says, um, فَعَلَى abd." He says, upon me and you, we have to know the reality of shukr and have that reality within us. Such a reality that will become between me and you and haram. How? By remembering God's blessings. فَإِذَا أَتَابِ ذَلِكَ When you get to that level, فَقَدْ أَتَابِ مَا هُوَ أَصَلْ You reached it. You got it. You got it. He goes, then do you know what you do next? You start to grind and strive hard. Now, after you go past that level, it's not just about using God's blessings, but it's about using it to its max to please God. So he says, you, you, you try hard. You set that alarm for like 5, 10, I don't know. 4.30. The middle of the good sleep. Ya Allah. You gave me this bed? Watch how grateful I am. <laughs> Let's try it, yo. Bismillah. And then at the end of this section, do you know what Imam Ghazali says? Wabillahi tawfiq. And Allah gives us tawfiq. All right. He says, um, He says, وَأَلَمْ أَنَّ مَوْضِئُ النِّعَمِ وَالنِّعَمُ الدِّينِيَةُ وَالدُّنْيَوِيَ عَلَىٰ أَقْدَارِهِمَا He goes, um, let's talk about hardships for a moment though. As for the hardships of this world in your wealth, in your children, in your family, in all of these things, he goes, are we supposed to be grateful for that too? Hardship? I lost my job. Like literally, I lost my job. You know, um, you know whatever. We all have struggles, right? Musibas, calamities. He says, first thing is, nah, that's not a place of shukr. That's a place of uh, sabr. That's a place of, of, of holding yourself. He goes, shukr is for blessings and sabr is for calamities. But he goes, hold up, because we should go deeper. He says that um, no blessing comes, no musibah comes. Ustad Abdul Rahman right now is doing a session on trials and tribulations, so I know y'all ready for this. He says, وَلَا شِدَّةٍ إِلَّا وَفِي جَنْبِهَا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ No hardship comes except that right with it is a blessing of God. فَلْيَلْزَمُ الشُّكْرَ عَلَىٰ تِلْكَ And the way I see it is calamities are hard, they shake you. And without sabr, you won't be able to be patient enough to see the blessing that lies in it. That's how I see it. The calamity needs patience. But the true reason you need patience is it allows you to actually see why this is a great blessing from God. Without sabr, you'll lose it and you will miss the, the, the moment of gratitude that lied there. Without any benefit either. He goes, وَتِلْكَ um, He says, Ibn Umar radiallahu an, he says, who's Ibn Umar, yo? Can I tell you a funny story about Ibn Umar? One day, Ibn Umar was sitting down, and uh, he's Ibn Umar. He's Umar ibn Khattab's son. So he's sitting in the gathering, and the Prophet ﷺ, he goes, uh, there's a tree 
the Prophet ﷺ, he says, there's a tree that's just like the believer. What is it? MashaAllah. So everybody's quiet. And then finally, the Prophet ﷺ, he goes, he in Nakhal, MashaAllah. It's the date palm tree. And he began to explain its leaves never drop, it's evergreen. The believer is evergreen. Every season we give good. Every season we keep giving, evergreen. And then when he said Nakhla, Ibn Umar looked at his dad who was sitting with him. He said, Baba, I knew the answer. And Umar said, man, do you know how happy it would have made me if you said that? It would have made me so, in front of the prophet too? That's my boy. <laughs> That's my boy. I told y'all what my wife does every time my son messes up, get your boy. But then when he's doing good, she's like, oh, that's my son right there. Don't he look like me? He's like, nah. Allahu Akbar. So Ibn Omar, Ibn Omar was known, y'all, for one quality. His main defining quality was ittiba' al-sunnah. He used to go for Umrah and move his camel left and right for no reason except he's like, I think I saw the Prophet turn right here. And someone's like, but that level of following the sunnah He's like, maybe the hoof of my camel will touch where his camel's hoof hit, and I'll be forgiven just for following the sunnah. He was known for following the sunnah meticulously. What does he say? Ibn Umar radiallahu anh, he says, مَبْتُلِيتُ بِبَلِيَّةٍ إِلَّا كَانَ لِلَّهِ عَلَيَّ فِيَا عَرْبَعُ Write this down. This will bring you such peace in your darkest moments. He says, I have never been afflicted with a calamity except... That in that same calamity, I saw four blessings. Allahu Akbar. Number one, Islam takun fi dini. It wasn't in my deen. See, we didn't say, I didn't hear, um, so y'all didn't get it. He says, the biggest thing is that it wasn't my religion. It, it could have been in my deen. It could have been my religion that was afflicted. It was in my dunya. It was in my dunya. This is a reality. Like when you, if you go through like a difficulty and it's purely deen, uh, purely, purely your dunya, and you're still praying, you're still reading Quran, you're still connected, your heart. Alhamdulillah, I woke up this morning and my calamity wasn't in my deen, number one. Number two, Islam takun a'adhamu minha. It could have been worse. It could have been worse. That's, you're able to see what you're still blessed with. It could have been worse. Alhamdulillah. Number three. I didn't lose contentment of God. I, I, I went through the hardship. It hurt me. But I was still in my heart saying, Raditu billahi Raditu, I'm happy with Allah. Ya Allah, I'm happy with you. And number four. I was waiting for the good deeds for that calamity. Meaning I'm looking at the good deeds that I'll receive in the akhirah for that hardship that I just went through. So he says, He says another thing. This is from Ghazali. That was the end of Ibn Umar's statement. Imam Ghazali says another thing is that the calamity is from Allah, not from somebody else. He goes, even if it was on the hands of the creation. Do you get that? Sometimes... The hardship is because you, person, there, 
He goes, even in that case, I recognize Allah is in control. Then he goes forward and he says something that's pretty deep. And he says, in the shada'id dunya another opinion is that the hardships of this world, based on what we just said, should bring a level of gratitude to you. Why? Because those hardships are in reality blessings. Blessings. Bidalil, the proof is what came from it, the goodness that came from it, the blessings that were given from it. And he gave a little example. He says, The example is like a bitter medicine that your doctor gives you for a very detrimental sickness. And that bitter medicine leads to your well-being. Do you not see the medicine as a blessing? That's what he says here. He says, um, which one is better, to be grateful or patient? And he says, nah, there's no better here. They need each other. You won't be grateful except if you have patience. And you can't be patient except if you're grateful. Both of them need each other. There's more here, inshallah ta'ala. Um, uh, but Imam Ghazali tells us a bit more about how to preserve the blessings. Um, and I, I think we need to... Do I want? Okay, okay. I'm going to go over just a little bit more here because Imam Ghazali is dropping some facts on us here. Um, Imam Ghazali here tells us that um, if you want to protect your blessings and keep them, um, there's two things that you need to do. He says, number one, this is deep. He says, excuse me. He says that the first thing you have to understand is that blessings are given to those who know their value. I said that earlier. Blessings are given to those who know their value. The grateful person is the one that has truly recognized the value of a blessing. Then Imam Ghazali goes really deep here. And it, and it, and it hit me heavy as I was studying this. He says, um, there's a verse of the Quran where the people of Mecca, they used to look at the people around the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. Bilal, Ammar bin Yasser, Suhaib al-Rumi, Salman Farsi. These were like low people. They didn't have wealth. They didn't have a high lineage. They didn't have the things of this world. And there's a verse of the Quran where they said, are these the people that are blessed? Are these the people that are blessed? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Does Allah not know truly who are the people of gratitude? Imam Ghazali says something heavy here. He says, Allah gives his true blessings to those who recognize the value of the blessing. The one who knows the blessing is the one who turns their heart and their nafs completely towards that thing and values it. He says, these people were looking at their external state. They didn't have wealth. They didn't have acceptance. And they're saying, how are these people blessed? Why, why are you saying we need to be like these people? And Imam Ghazali is telling us that إِنَّمَا if you think that all blessings are only related to the dunya, that's your first problem. 
Having a high lineage, being known, all of these things. But if you realized, and this is for us, if you realized that deen, ilm, knowing Allah, dhikr of Allah, if you realize that this is the truest blessing, you would be proudly gloating and happy about that blessing, realizing how good it is and Allah gives you more. See, what he's trying to say, this is, this is heavy. Yo, like, and this is what I, I wrote here. God gave them dunya because they value the dunya. The simple thing is this. Whatever you value, God will give you that. If all you worried about is bands, Allah will give you that. But that's not what you should truly love. He only gives you what you value. And so this is where he says something profound. He says, when you look at the people of Allah, let's say tonight, yo. Let's say tonight in the middle of the night. I'm going to share something with y'all. One of my, 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 my akhis, he came up to me and he said to me, with tears in his eyes, he's like, I had a moment with Allah. I was able to cry again. And he said, I feel like crying for being able to cry. I couldn't help it. It was coming. And he said, I've been searching for that for the last year and Allah just gave it back to me. Allah gives you according to what you value. That man valued the tears before God when nobody saw. And he worked a year for it. We grind whole Ramadan waiting for those goosebumps, that goosebump Ramadan moment where the dua is hitting and you're just like, Allah, yeah, I made it. He said, I, I worked the last a whole year and I missed this moment and it came back. He said, Imam Ghazali says, you would find scholars of the deen that would be working on an issue of religion, a fiqh issue for, for months. And when they figured out the issue, the joy they would have would, not be, would be unparalleled to any joy of anyone who's celebrating for the dunya they have. What I'm trying to get us to understand, Imam Ghazali says, is that if you want the blessings of deen, you got to start valuing deen. And I'll tell you the key is to be around those people. You just got to be around them. You just got to be around them, yo. Whoever you're around, you're going to value what they value. When I accepted Islam, first three weeks, I tried to hang with the same crew. It wasn't working. You already know. Eventually, I had to start being around other people that value Qiyam al that value sitting after Fajr until Ishraq. Brothers like, yo, I got a hajj in today. Y'all know the reward. The hadith says, whoever prays Fajr and sits on their same spot until the sun rises and prays two rakats, what's the reward? Whole Umrah, Umrah, right? Hajj wa Umrah. And the Prophet said, Taman, 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 complete. When you roll with those heads, they're like, yo, I got my Hajj and Umrah in this morning. Happy, alhamdulillah. Joy, value. And you wonder how they did consistency? It's because they valued it. So that's what I, I want from, for myself. I want to beg Allah to give me the value of what the people of Allah value.
And once I value it, Allah will give it to me. Once I value it, Allah will give it to me, inshallah. Um, he says, ثُمَّ uh, أَقُولُ we, we have to stop here. ثُمَّ أَقُولُ وَكَذَلِكَ كُلُّ فَرِيقٍ مِنَ النَّاسِ He goes, this is the case of every group, group of people. خَصَّهُمُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى بِنِعْمَةٍ مِنَ النِعْمَ الدِّينِ Allah, if they give them a little, if Allah gives you a taste of a blessing of the religion, knowledge, action, and you, and you taste it, that brother who tasted a tear for the sake of Allah, my man's been searching a year for that, yo. He goes, once you taste it, you'll value it and you'll want it more than anything else. He says, وَأَشَدَّهُمْ تَعْظِيمًا لَهَا so that creates this veneration and this awe for these blessings. Because we're talking about how to be grateful. And they work the hardest. They treat these blessings like guests. I'm going to stop here. He says, these will the people that honor the blessings. I heard one sheikh say, when you get that moment where you feel close to Allah, it's a guest, honor it. Because guests come back to where they were honored. Honor that feeling. Allah, alhamdulillah. Bask in it. Sit there. Cancel the next meeting. I don't know. <laughs> don't let it go. Hold it. Because guests come back to where they were honored. So if that guest come to you, oh, let me enjoy this moment that Allah has given me. May Allah give us tawfiq. May Allah give us value for the things that will gain His pleasure. May Allah give us value for the true blessings of God. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are given the keys of tawfiq, which unlock the treasures of righteous deeds and the keys that lock the doors of sin. May Allah make us of those people who hear words and act on the best of it, inshallah ta'ala. Any good questions? Not some left field stuff, though. Yeah, the question that someone asked is, how do you know if you've been forgiven for a sin and if your repentance has been accepted, inshallah? Um, if Allah, like I said, gave you the key, he only gave you the key in order to give you the actual blessing. So if Allah has given you tawfiq to actually do repentance, then we have to believe that that sin was forgiven and you got to move forward. You should only remember the sin and think about the sin to motivate you to do a little bit more good deeds. Let me give an example. One time, Umar radiallahu ta'ala he was frustrated over a situation, it was Hudaybiyah, and he said some words to the Prophet that, وسلم, that seemed a little harsh. He said, I asked for forgiveness, but for the rest of my life I used to give a little sadaqah because that moment used to make me cringe. <laughs> like, oh, I can't believe I did that. So he would keep doing good, even though he's known he's forgiven, he keeps trying to offset that with a little good deeds, inshallah ta'ala. We're supposed to send them in, but go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, two reasons to? To need. to need gratitude. Oh, number one was to keep the blessing, and number two was to increase the blessing. To increase the blessing. Jazakumullahu yeah. khairah. One more? Yeah, how do you continue to show gratitude when bombarded with negativity? Must we, must we remove ourselves from negative groups even if it's family? Yeah, the question is how do you continue to show gratitude or be grateful when you're bombarded with uh, negativity? 
even if it's family, the person in the question is like family, the family is very negative. Um, there comes a point where we do have to distance ourselves from toxic people. We use that word toxic lightly, but spiritually, there are spiritually toxic people. I'm not talking about emotionally toxic, I'm talking about spiritually toxic. Um, unfortunately, sometimes it's a very close relative, and in those cases, then we have to minimize our, our time in those environments that are detrimental to our emotional, spiritual state. So sometimes, if you have a person that you have to be with, uh, and they're extremely negative, then um, it's, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Ideally, is you distance yourself where necessary in order to create that positivity. There's another way you could fix that, too. Is not nah, The other way is to surround yourself with the opposite, too. Offset that. That good quality, that good company can offset that, right? And at least bring you back to a neutral state, kind of, inshallah. May Allah give us tawfiq. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiru wa atubu ilayk subhana rabbika rabbil izati amma yasifun wa salamun alal mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin